Life Audio. Hey, what up, guys? Welcome back to Questions with Caden. I'm your host, Caden Fabrizio, today in a white T-shirt. That's all I was allowed to wear. In my apparently. white tee. In my white tee. But welcome back. Uh, if you're first, is this your first time on the episode? I want to say hey. Uh, if you don't know what this podcast is, basically this podcast is a podcast where every single episode we ask one question and we answer it as biblically and relevantly as we can. This is a special episode that we're doing that's that was spawned out of one of our past episodes. Um, every month we do an episode called What's Going On in the World where we kind of go through all the trending topics of things that are happening in the world. And in one of those episodes, we got stuck on the conversation of Nephilim. So today we're going to answer the question, what are the Nephilim? But before we do so, we always have to go through our little uh, house notes. So obviously, first one being shout out Life Audio. Thanks so much for all you guys do. Go ahead and go to lifeaudio.com to check out other podcasts like this one. Shout out You and Me Media. And I point because there's somebody here with us today. From Yumi Media. Whoop, I got to make a noise so the whoop, whoop, so camera flips switches. To you. Yeah, boom. <laughs> there you are. And uh, if you want to rent this studio space or need any help with anything creative, uh, podcasts, anything, you can check out youandmemedia.co. Uh, and everything you need is there, as well as follow youandmemedia.co on Instagram and follow Court Acuna on Instagram as well for all your creative needs. Um, they're the best. And they make this podcast as good as it is. Uh, and we love them. So check them out. Uh, lastly, or thirdly, make sure you guys subscribe everywhere that you can. It helps us out big time. Leave a rating, five stars only. It's like, that's the standard. Don't leave anything lower than that. Just don't be that person. Yeah, like we got a 4.9 the other day. You just can't give us a five. Yeah. You know? I appreciate the four nine, but it just you know. What was the point one? Yeah, what did we do wrong? It was Matt, probably. That's what it was. Fair, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. I mean, They're like, we don't like his not hat enough, or something. Not enough screen time. Yeah, I know. Uh, you need more screen time for Maddie B. So good looking. Next next season. Yeah, season three is gonna go crazy with Maddie B. He's taking this seat. I'm moving to the yeah, table. Yeah, season triple crazy. Speaking of season three, just so you guys know, we have eight episodes left in Questions with Caden season two. Um. And yeah, we literally were just talking about that. We just figured out there's eight left and we're excited for how the season is winding down. We'll take a small break. I think it's only going to be about three or four weeks. And then we'll be right back with season three, which we got a lot of really fun stuff planned for season three. Um, A lot of cool podcasts in some other places that we already have planned that I actually have to tell you about. Two things. I'll tell you off camera. I just remembered. Um, That was a note from Matt, by the way. Uh, But yeah, that is all of the kind of housekeeping notes. I think everything that you need to know. Um, We just are fresh off of Iona last Friday, which was crazy. I still feel tired. I'm going to be honest. I still feel a little tired, but insane night. God showed up. We're so blessed to get to be a part of that thing. Uh, Stay tuned for Iona. And what we're going to be doing next year in 2024, we could be coming to a city near you. All right. On the podcast today, two of my favorite people in the whole world and two of my favorite people to podcast with, we have the one and only Maddie B. Barros on the pod. What up, brother? What's up, man? How are you today? So good. You look good. Thanks, man. Stash is good. Haircut's good. Hat's good. 
Energy's good. I appreciate that. Today you walked in dancing. Just the vibes are good. Mad good energy today. Good energy today. I spent some good time with the Lord. This yeah, morning, so. I could tell, dude. Yeah. There was some on the you. Joy, Lord. You got the you got the oil dripping off you right now. <laughs> hey. And then we got literally my favorite, my sister, Courtney Acuna. How are you? Great. Sweet. Bringing the peace sign back. <laughs> yeah, bring it back. What happened to this thing? Remember that thing? Mila took a photo. I posted it. It's probably still in my story. She literally was like, take a picture with me. And she goes, did she do it? She was like making fun of me. And I was like, <laughs> I so swear good. I've never done that. But obviously I have if you're posting like that. Pull up the receipts. If we have the receipts, we're going to go on your Instagram and look for this photo. I'm going to screenshot it right now so it doesn't go away. For the listeners that can't see, we're doing the duck lips and peace sign. You guys remember that Instagram era. Yeah, dude. Fully, hold on. Fully I love him. Mocking. Mila is a little prankster, dude. Just jokes. Starting to get in trouble at school. Oh, no. I was so scared to get in trouble as a kid. Really? Yeah, I hated breaking the rules. I could see that on you. Like, what does that mean? Like, justice. How do you see that on you? I know. Like, what do you you see on (laughs) you? Like, I was a snitch. Like, that guy at church is like, yeah, I see that on you. Yeah, my cousins hate, like, my family, I'd snitch everyone out. I could see the justice energy. They're like, you're not going to get away with that. Yeah, that's Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Well, today, <laughs> we're snitches talking. get stitches. Snitches get stitches. Snitches get stitch. I told yep. Mila that the other day. You did? She's like, what's a stitch? That's why she's getting in trouble at school. She's repeating on the crazy things you say. Probably. She's she's at school like, have you guys heard the conspiracy about <laughs> the ice caps in the Atlantic? She has been calling me bruh. Bruh? Oh, that's <laughs> and funny. And if she is calling her teacher that, it would explain a lot. Yeah. Honestly, the only reason I know she's getting in trouble is because she's telling me. That's good, I haven't though. heard a single That's... thing from the teacher. So maybe it's not that bad then yet. I guess. For... When I was a kid, I had to, you guys have like the pull the card system. Did you have that at school? You got in trouble. You had like pull a card or like Mine change the color. A clothespin, yeah, yeah a clothespin, move the clothespin. My sister was like afraid to move the clothespin. Mine lived on red. It was like, it would like progress. It'd go green, yellow, orange, red. And red was like note home. It got to the point one year for school because I just talked too much. One year, I was in fifth grade. Everyone else every day reset to green. Mine reset to orange. <laughs> to orange. One below red. I was like, I had one strike. And every day they were getting letters. Anyway, should we talk about what we came here to talk yeah, about? Yeah, just cut all that out. Today we're asking the question, what are the Nephilim? And we're going to have a good conversation about what that is. It's a little offshoot episode, a little fun episode. I think we all three of us did separate uh, research about the Nephilim so we could all input a little bit. Um, Matt is a self-proclaimed Nephilim specialist. No, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) So everything that Matt says, he's done hard research. No, I, I, I've actually like done research. I did like, I watched a lot of podcasts and then, or listened to a lot of podcasts, watch some YouTube videos. There's this, uh, creationist scientist and archeologist and biologist named Kent Hovind that, have you ever heard of him? That I have now because I listened to the intro of that episode. He's my dad. Oh, is this something else? <laughs> Kent Hovind? No, it was no, some I other know. guy. Oh, sorry. Yeah, this this guy, Can you Kent Hovind. Edit is... that out. <laughs> just Courtney now just wants everything edited out. Courtney, it's not that's that how easy. I, that's, yes, it is. On Descript, it is. That's how I edit my show, my stuff for other people. Just edit that out, please. And what's if funny you're not is, editing on Descript, I don't know. At the end of this season, we'll just have a. A compilation of every time Courtney goes, can you edit that out? Can you edit that out? Can you the edit thing that is, out? I actually mean it. I know. And I realize now it never We should put, we should put together all the things that we've needed cut you know out in one sh- video. You know what you should do? 
on your note, every time Courtney says, can you cut that out, <laughs> put a timestamp somewhere so that we know. That'll make it easy well, for us. Well, I lost all those, so we can start that now. Yeah. <laughs> hey, starting now. <laughs> uh, we just all did some some research, and so we're excited to talk about it today. Let's pray, and then let's talk about the nephies. Court, you want to pray? Sure. Okay. Dear Lord, I thank you for this time together. I thank you that our hearts are yielded to your voice, and I thank you that additional thoughts are set to minimal <laughs> during this conversation, but I thank you, Father, that this time will be used to explore a new side of who you are and find out what this intention of this crazy thing called Nephilim is, and I thank you that it will somehow bring us just more peace at the end of this episode. And I thank you that you love us so much. I'm so thankful for your love and your kindness that you show us. And I thank you that this episode will just be blessed and our intention will come through. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I only laugh because it's like, God bless this wild conversation (laughs) we're about to have. I listened to so much stuff the last couple of days and I'm like, feel like I'm living in the twilight zone. I'm like, even when I walked in this morning, you're like, what up? And I just got done listening to another. He couldn't speak. I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Like, everything I know in this world, I don't. I am annoyed at myself that I didn't get to listen to that episode before going into this conversation. Well, I'm going to regurgitate. my hype will be, would be so much higher. I'm going to regurg- regurgitate so much. There's this uh, really cool episode off of a podcast called Blurry Creatures where they think they call, it's called, like, The Return of the Nephilim, and they bring on literally a Nephilim specialist who has, he was a lawyer and felt like the Lord called him out of being a lawyer to, like, research and write books on the nephilim who they were and how they're back and it's insane the things that he's saying and what's really cool about what he talks about is everything he talks about is out of scripture so it's like there's backing for all of it and it's nuts so anyway i think we have to answer the question first what is a nephilim who are they and kind of talk about them biblically where they come from all that kind of that stuff as we talked about in one of our last episodes the nephilim is a biblical concept so this is not like a conspiracy podcast where we're now like losing track of who we are and we're just on, well, depending on what episode you listen to. Just now we're on this like rabbit, this rabbit hole of like conspiracies and we're just like, oh, we've lost who we are. Like, no, the Nephilim is a biblical concept talked about multiple times in scripture. And I think it really is important that we understand who they are, uh, who they were before the flood, who they are now after the flood and kind of how it affects our life today. So first thing, the Nephis. They come out of Genesis 6-4. Thanks, Court. And basically, in, in, in the Bible, it talks about how the Nephilim are the offspring of fallen angels who came down to meet, to, to, to mate and have babies. Mate's a wild word. Me. <laughs> and have babies with human women. And from these human, these interactions, from them coming down sleeping with these women and having babies, they created the Nephilim, which in um, some translations of the Bible they call the giants. Now, what's really cool about the about the, the Nephilim essentially is that what the Bible says is that the Nephilim are uh, men of renown, the men of old, the heroes of old. So what's really cool about that is when these fallen angels came down, mated with these these women had these babies. Um, what this guy was talking about in Blurry Creatures says he he was saying that uh, Greek and Roman mythology actually helps us track who the Nephilim were and how people viewed them back in the day. 
Um, and a lot of the times these demigods like Hercules and like, uh, you know, Poseidon and like all these, these um, old Greek mythology gods, demigods, heroes were actually Nephilim on the earth and they were actually real doing these real things. Um, Which is why, because you, a lot of people wonder like, okay, if there's so much talk about Greek mythology and all this stuff, like where did all of that come from? And I have already kind of, even before getting, like hearing that from the episode, just wondered, mm-hmm. you know, like the connection between the validity of that and potentially like fallen angels or whatever it is. Uh, I do think that it's important to emphasize, and maybe you did and I didn't hear you while I was reading about the Nephilim just now, a uh, note is that like it was done very when they inhabited the earth and like mated with the women of the earth it was not like a oh let's just go make babies yeah, yeah, it yeah, was yeah. a Good very point. like the nature of it was extremely like sinful and it was like demonic demonic yeah. and it was not like a this was not of god it was definitely not of god yeah. and it was definitely like the again the the na- i just think that it's so important because uh there is a God that comes later that yeah. like is you, the same word is described in the original Hebrew that like uses to describe the first time they're introduced in scripture that ends up being like a very, very like pedophilia related term, but we'll get into that later. But I just wanted to like emphasize that yeah. when this inhabitation happened, it was not like a, you know, Oh, hi. Like let's mate. It was very much like demonic and aggressive. They and were taking women, k- kidnapping yeah. them. Yeah. So that's, that's the whole thing that I'm glad you brought up is that it has to be made clear is like the Nephilim are not like these like happy giant, like creatures that like were, were good. They were like a very demonic creature. Actually what a lot of people will talk about is that what the Nephilim was, was a product of what many would call a seed war. So essentially when, um, sin entered the world, and when Satan was cast out of heaven, basically, he, uh, God tells him that uh, the Son of Man will stomp Satan's head, the serpent's head, basically meaning that like God was going to create a human that was going to basically— The seed of Adam would. The seed of Adam, correct, would essentially— win and defeat satan the serpent who led these people astray so basically what ended up happening is that a lot of people would say that because of that angels fallen angels the ones that left with satan and fell with satan came to a start to attack the human seed because they knew that their destruction was going to come from the the edemic seed the seed of adam like seed adam's lineage people that were birthed out of out of the, the line of Adam. They knew that um, that was kind of going to be their demise. So when they came down, they weren't just doing this for fun. They were doing this to try and create this seed war, disrupt the DNA of humans, and try and basically attack the Son of Man, the Messiah, uh, and stop him from ever being born, basically. That's why in the Old Testament, in Genesis, it's part of the reason why God actually ends up bringing the flood, because the uh, Nephilim started to like overrun the earth. I'm actually reading. Do you want me to just read the verse real quick? Yeah. It says, when human beings began to increase in numbers on the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw the daughters of humans were beautiful and they ma- married any of them they chose. 
Then the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with humans forever, for they are mortal. Their days will be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward, when the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them. They were the heroes of old men of renown, which is what you were referencing earlier about the Greek mythology. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all at the all at this time, the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on earth and this heart was deeply troubled. What version is this? I've never heard this version. So the Lord said, I will wipe all of them from the face of the earth, blah, 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 blah. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So to me, like when I hear this, I feel like it wasn't just a sin thing. Because if yeah. it was just a sin thing, like every generation would be worthy of being wiped off the earth. Absolutely. So for God to see this and say, I regret this creation, like to me for sure, like, it just gives an even bigger emphasis on the flood being more connected to Nephilim Absolutely. than actual sin. Absolutely. And so there's this thing, it's called the, this other book, it's called the Book of Enoch, which is not a, not a God-breathed scripture. We would not consider it the Word of God. It's not in, it's not in the, the canon of scripture, and it's not from Genesis all the way to Revelation. There's a reason it's not in there. But it is a like third-party historical biblical, like, edition that you can read we don't it's not the word of god it's not like we're not saying that this is exactly what happened we're not saying this is um god breathed and god inspired but there are some things we can learn from it in the book of enoch it talks a lot about nephilim and And sorry just to add to the validity of it in the episode that i was listening to which is called faith and faith and friction you can look it up um the book of enoch was written shout out chi chi shout out chi chi i would Shout out Chi Chi. I was about to say his last name, but I can't. Chi Chi, we love you. Um, So the book of Enoch was written 300 BC. Yes. And it is referenced in the Bible over like 35 times. Yeah. And Jesus himself, they think, kind of referenced it. Direct quotes it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So Jesus referenced it potentially nine to 12 times. And the book of Jude actually, there's a direct um, reference word for word reference out of the book of Enoch in the book of Jude. So that adds some validity to the book of Enoch and allows us to kind of look at it and say like, Hey, this is a potential and a high potential for like an addition to some of the things that were going on back in the days of Noah. And what the book of Enoch says, the book of Enoch talks a lot about how there was about 200 fallen angels that fell with, with Satan that came down to earth and started this process of this seed war and attacking the seed taking women, creating um, these Nephilim. And basically when God saw this, he said, I, now, I know I need to fix this. And that's why he sent the flood. The reason they say that he found Noah is that in the book of Enoch, it says, um, actually, this might be in, in Genesis, actually, that they say um, to go and find um, Noah, essentially because his seed is still pure. Like his seed was not um, attacked yet by the Nephilim and um, was not any descent of this. Um, one of the guys I was listening to in that Blurry uh, blurry Creatures podcast talked about how there was like an original um, evil family, essentially, that was the first family to start this like Nephilim breeding as well. And then their whole lineage had DNA of Nephilim. And those people were actually able to create like and have higher forms of technology because they were having like heavenly wisdom and insight from these angels because they were nephilim they knew other things and so they'll like track what a lot of people are doing now is they're tracking like creation to like the pyramids back to nephilim they're tracking the creation of like 
um, how humans uh, built tools, started building types of technology like um, agricultural technology and how they started to um, even learn how to genetically modify fruits and vegetables back then, how they learned how to hammer weapons and tools, blacksmith basically. They'll actually, a lot of people now are equating a lot of the old tech, old technology that they were learning to these Nephilim. And to like get a little bit conspiracy-ish for you guys. The a lot I've of people I've been holding back. I've I know. been waiting for you to I'm opening the door. But a lot of a lot of people will also say that like uh the civilizations back in the day are not as archaic as we think that they actually are now. They were actually before the flood were actually very advanced civilizations because the Nephilim were helping them learn how to do things. It's the only explanation for like the size and vastness of like the pyramids. And, Absolutely. And even they found a pyramid recently in Antarctica that is larger than like even bigger. And there is no explanation for not only the perfect mathematical symmetry of it, it like points to the North North Star. Perfect. Yeah. Like there's like all these things that go many, into it. Many people actually think that the pyramids were created to conduct electricity and that Egyptians were actually losing were using electricity. Kent Hovind's an archaeologist, and they actually recently, I'm sure it was a little bit longer ago, but no one talks about this, but they found, like, Egyptian batteries that they uncovered, like, showing proof Egyptians were harnessing and using electricity. <laughs> There's actually a lot of evidence that they've found by digging up and finding bones <laughs> of giants. They've found in, in South Africa recently, they actually found, like, shoulder blades of human remains the size of car doors. They found, I was telling you this, they found fossilized hearts the size of like VW bugs. Now, what does this mean for us? Like, I think <laughs> what's interesting about this is uh, a lot of people would agree, yes, Nephilim existed before the flood. It's why Jesus or God wiped out them with the flood. However, there's evidence of giants and the Nephilim post flood. Number in Numbers thirteen, if can you pull it up? In Numbers thirteen, it, I think it's thirteen three, actually talks about how the Nephilim were back. Um, in the in in the days after the flood, which are now they would call them the Raphim, Raphaim, I think they would call them. Um, but they were descendants of the Nephilim. There's also a lot of um, evidence in Scripture of Numbers thirteen thirty three. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from Nephilim. We seem we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes when we looked, and we looked the same to them. Exactly. And so there's a lot of, if you go through scripture, you go through the Old Testament post-flood, there's a lot of evidence of giants, like Goliath is one of them, fighting David and Goliath, one of the most famous giants that would be considered Nephilim. Um, There's evidence of the Israelites having to fight civilizations in Canaan, the Amalites, the Amaleks, like all those type of um, civilizations were descendants of Nephilim and were, um, were giants. Now they're finding tons and tons and tons of bones and skeletons of giants. In the U.S., they've found 15-foot giants, 20-foot giants, 12-foot giants, 13-foot giants, and they have these human remains. So essentially, it lays out the fact that Nephilim, they did exist before flood, and before the flood, actually, a lot of people would argue that they were probably taller and even larger. The podcast I was just listening to said that they through some other evidence in scripture that I don't feel confident enough to quote, that they said that they could, and some of the bones and remains they've found, they said that that pre-flood Nephilim could have been anywhere from 100 to 400 feet tall, 
which is crazy. Wow. And then post-flood Nephilim were the a lot of the giants we're finding now, which could be anywhere from 15, 12, 13, 9, all that kind of those size giants. Are the pyramids older than the flood? No, right? No, they're not. The pyramids are post-flood. Um, so there's just this ton of crazy evidence for the Nephilim still existing and their like impact in like society and in in uh, ancient cultures, and um, it's nuts. A lot of people are going. They uh, they agree that Nephilim were before the flood, but they have a hard time understanding how Nephilim exists post flood. Here's how there's two theories. One, there's the survival theory that they survived with their DNA somehow survived the flood, or two, the recreation theory. They're taller which than means the water. Maybe. With the, which means that the uh, angels, fallen angels came back and did it again, basically. However, a lot of people lean on the side that um, the Nephilim DNA actually was still uh, survived the flood because Ham, his wife, was not of Noah's descent, and they think that she carried some Nephilim bloodline, and her and Ham's bloodline created civilizations like, um, like Egypt and some of the like Amalekites and Amaleks and those civilizations. And in the Bible, those talk about how they were the descendants of Nephilim. Yeah. There's a King Og. There's a bunch of kings that were descendants of Nephilim that also started operating and creating more Nephilim. Um, and it's part of the reason why God actually has the Israelites completely wipe out those civilizations on their way to the promised land. That so, was the episode I was, I listened to was really focusing on that, that the, the Ananites, them being like God telling to wipe them was a result. Like in the episode, they track back the entire lineage of how that tribe was created from Ham and all of that. Yeah. And basically the whole reason is because that this episode is focusing on is that that is why they were wiped is because they truly were like another, just a massive group of Nephilim. Nephilim. Yeah. And that's, sorry, go ahead, Matt. No, it's because I love how much this shows though. That God how much had. we don't know, yeah. Cool with that, but also how 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 much it shows that God just has a bigger plan than we could ever imagine. Absolutely, because realistically, if he wanted to, he could have just told Ham to not bring his wife on that boat for sure. And then the Israelites never would have had to go and you know. But I, I also it's part of their story too. I'm sure of like he wanted them to do certain things so they could learn certain lessons. But it's just so cool how like he just uses ev- even little things like that where like, he could have wiped out the Nephilim. From start to finish, for sure, if he had just said some certain things and told Noah to do certain things. But yeah. it's just so cool. He's I mean, he could point. have ended Satan altogether yeah. in the garden. And, like, you know yes. what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so it, it just proposes this entire question of why. Yeah, did what, is, God what is even, God letting play out? Yeah. I, I, think a, I think a lot of it is like God is letting letting true relationship and true love between his creation actually play out. I agree. I think it's fully, he just wants it to be a choice. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so what I I think a note that I think probably in the episode, Chi Chi's episode that they noted that I really liked was how they talked about um, a lot of people will ask why the God of the old Testament looks so different than the God of the new Testament. He was going around killing civilizations, killing babies, telling the Israelites to wipe out every single person in those in those tribes and in those cities, even the animals and all that. And um, what Chichi and these pastors on on their podcast were presenting, and what a lot of other like Nephilim specialists and theologians will present, is that 
what God was actually doing was was preserving the human bloodline, the Edemic bloodline, the Edemic seed. And the reason that the Israelites were the chosen people of God was because they were actually the only like, pure bloodline left back in those times, one of the only pure bloodlines left back in those times that could help carry on the Edemic seed of the Messiah. And so there was a lot of tribes and cities that were these evil tribes and cities from descendants of Nephilim that were operating by, they were um, doing human experiments, they were trying to create more Nephilim, they were merging humans and, and animals, like they were doing all these crazy things. The Bible even talks about how King Nebuchadnezzar was half, half human, half beast. And so they, they wild. yeah, wild. And we just like skip wild. over those things, yeah. but like it talks about it in scripture. What does it say about him? Look it up. It says that he had feathers and fur um, and grew claws and all that kind of stuff. And so... Well, I wondered when... What, what was the son with the hair? Enoch. Yeah, Enoch. Yeah. Interesting that Interesting. he is so involved in all and this he's and so he's hairy. covered in hair. Yeah, so it's it's very interesting the you know what was happening back then with the bloodlines of humanity and what God was doing to preserve his creation, his pure seed. Um the bloodline of God essentially was was Adam, which is what we all are. We're not Nephilim in this room. But um there's a lot of proof that they still exist today. Bro, this is wild. Like, That's where wild. I start to get like This is crazy. What? So Daniel I don't know why it's not showing me the verse, but it's basically like 425 through 35. It says Nebuchadnezzar was forced to go away from people. He began eating grass like an ox. He became wet from dew. His hair grew long like the feathers of an eagle and his nails grew long like the claws of a bird. Freaking crazy. Crazy. It's all over And scripture. we just skip over that. And we just skip over no it. No one talks about that. For, I didn't even know that. What the, I was listening to this guy talk about this Nephilim specialist talk about... Um, he started... Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Relating how is Nephilim important today, and he thinks that Nephilim still exists, that there may not be as tall or as big giants anymore because of just like the... Just the evolution essentially of the evolution yeah. of the the evolution of DNA and like the passing on of the traits of the Nephilim. A lot of theologians and creationists would agree that before the flood, everything was bigger. There it had never rained. There was what they call like this water canopy covering the earth that created a higher level of oxygen within the earth that made everything bigger. They've tested this theory by like over oxygenating water and putting fish in it, and the fish grow to like twenty, thirty times their original size by the over oxygenization. Oxygenization. Why can't I speak? Oxygenization of the water creates these larger creatures. They talk about how normal humans 
are back then were a lot taller. So giants were even bigger than them. They're obviously living longer. They were living longer. They were taller. They were stronger. They were um, essentially just, it was better because it was God's original design, right? After the flood, um, the Lord says humans aren't going to live as long. They're, you know, it's not going to be the same. Things are going to be different. And that was all part of this. They, in Turkey, where they found the ark of Noah's ark, they actually uh, think that they have found the gravesite of Noah and his family. And they, uh, all of the skeletons are like nine, eight, nine feet tall. Noah's hands are his like thumb bone is the size of like my whole hand that they found. So they they think that like humans from that time were taller, meaning that the giants were even taller than them, which made them. Oh, so that big. checks out. Like I saw this video the other day, and it was what they expect Gen Z to look like when they're a hundred years old, and the average height is only like like five 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 four yeah because of the way that like we sit and like hunch over and look down and Mm -hmm. just so if that's just the transition of 90 years can you imagine how much bigger people were back then and yeah how much more enriched the food was and everything Mm -hmm. just made them like they could probably see better they were probably taller like none of that surprise like i'm not the reason i'm verbally processing this i think is because i've never actually been like told any of this but it all just checks it makes out sense, like yeah. it just makes so much What's, sense another thing that's crazy in scriptures they talk about um the spies when they go spy on who do they spy on pull this up in the old testament the israelite spies who go spy on the canaanites maybe i don't remember i don't remember what's however they help them they spy on the canaanites and they come back and they say is it joshua that says He's the only spy that says we can win. The rest of them say we cannot beat them. They're giants. Yeah. Um, they brought back, what they bring back is they bring back a grape the size that it takes. In the Bible says it takes two men to carry the grape. It's that big. So there's uh, there was other things back then happening that were like larger, greater, bigger. Bro, I want to go read my Old Testament. Now, I know, man. bro. I was that on my way me. here. I was like, this is insane. All the stuff that they were pulling out that like just we just like skip over because it yeah. just doesn't make sense to us. So we just go, oh, it just must be like hyperbole. But what they're saying is, no, this is like evidence. Like they're showing us why this is important. So back to the Nephilim, the size of Nephilim, how they matter now. Their Nephilim still exist today. Many would argue that they're still men of renown and they're still men of glory. And, and, uh, heroes of today whatever that may mean to you yeah, i don't know mean? i don't know i'm not here to tell you what the nephilim are because i don't know i'm just gonna talk about the evidence i don't know what they are now however one of the theologians that i was listening to that's this nephilim specialist now which is crazy he was talking about how he believes that the nephilim are going to play a large role in the antichrist in the return of jesus in um, new technologies that are going to be coming out these days he started to kind of bring things to my uh, to the attention of the listeners of the episode about things that are happening now that may be pointing to the Nephilim are doing these things behind the scenes as well as leading to end times things uh like they are starting to cross um breed, breed again. again DNA we talked about that I think with the first time we brought it up is mm-hmm. this guy who he wasn't in the CIA but like his best friend was in the CIA who's now dead probably because he told I don't know why he died but my theory is he let the secrets out. For sure. But he was. He was taken underground for this project, and they told him, like, you're going to see these these beans. Don't use the name of Jesus. Don't say the name of Jesus in any form of context. Not in vain. Not as a joke. Not Don't speak the authority of Jesus. And he goes down there, and this bean introduces himself as Nephilim, 10 feet tall, and he's down there in a lab. 
and they are crossbreeding their genetics mm-hmm. with humans yeah. again. Uh huh. And they're doing that. I mean, there's been even this episode they talked about. They're they're talking about how there's like, uh, that there's kind of like this awakening of like these things happening. Like there's we're starting to talk about UFOs and aliens are real all of a sudden. And we're starting to talk about like all these other things. We're starting to dabble in like growing humans in labs. And we're starting to dabble in like cross crossing our genetics with, with animals. And we're starting to dabble in things like allowing our palms to pay for things. And like he was just showing how these signs are showing us we are headed towards end times and how Nephilim are probably have their hands in these things to push humanity in that direction because they have the their their goal is to bring the antichrist well that's been my biggest question like in the the first time someone showed me an illuminati video i was probably like 14 like we just learned how to use youtube and i remember thinking like even back then if all this is true if all of this is just like someone hands you the keys to whatever you want who is that person though like who truly is like above rockefeller like above like all the all these companies and Stone Rock and like all these things that own, that truly own, supposedly own and run all of this like higher government, but like even how are they positioning and what is ticking their navigational compass to make these decisions and do these things? And like honestly, since joking about Nephilim two months ago, it is the only thing that makes sense to me of who would actually kind of have their hand in play here that would actually know enough outside of current civilization to want to steer the entire globe in a direction for something. Do you want to hear something crazy? Yes. So the book of Enoch talks about how the 200 fallen angels, they descended onto Mount Haran and they, they basically set up camp on Mount Haran, which is in, which is in, is in Israel. It's the highest point. One of the highest points in Israel. And they set up camp there. It is the highest point. Okay. The highest point in Israel. It matters. They, they set up camp there. That's where they called home base, essentially. Below that, at the base of that of that um, mountain, Mount Haran, is a city. Um, it's the city where Jesus takes his disciples and tells his disciples and tells Peter that the gates of hell will not prevail against Christ's church. What's interesting about that is that people who were living back then called Mount Haran the gates of hell because it was where the Nephilim were doing all their Nephilim things. Well, that's where like witchcraft and all that like exactly. It's also where witchcraft and all these dark demonic things were birthed because Nephilim showed humans how to do those things, how to operate in the demonic. And that's where that city was known as the darkest, most evil city is where Jesus took his disciples and actually Jewish people would not go there. So, when he was talking about the gates that will not prevail, he's actually talking about Mount Haran. And he was talking about how this is literally a demonic portal, demonic area where um, I'm basically coming here to stake my claim. He then ascends to the top of Mount Haran, and that's where the transfiguration happens, where he basically shines his glory. And then the voice from heaven, God, says, this is my son, this is my seed, and basically claims the territory back of what the, what the um, Nephilim were trying to do. And basically says, like, you lost. Guess where the United Nations have built their headquarters? The top of Mount Heron. That's where the United Nations headquarters are. The top of Mount Heron. I'm ready to run through a brick yeah. wall right now, bro. So it's like, and I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not like typically the conspiracy guy in the group. And I'm just saying, like, 
biblically but he finally started listening that, to the same I, podcast I would, that we, no, I'm just I would say that's less conspiracy and more of just looking at the just world at through biblical, a biblical lens le, exactly, exactly and that's all that saying. is yeah I, I love it dude it exactly. honestly makes me feel less crazy because even if it is crazy much it's not but even if it were it offers some type of solution for all the question marks that I feel like so many of us have yeah it also gives us this it's also some reassurance because guys Anybody listening to this podcast, let's just take a second, step back, and like zoom out for a second on the things that we believe. We believe that, that, that God created all of us, and that sin entered the world, and that God's solution to stop sin was for a woman to have a baby, and she was a virgin. Impossible. Yeah. Have a baby that was fully man and fully God. Impossible. That would live a life that was perfect, impossible, and would never sin, impossible, would go to the cross and die, and then three days later, raise from the grave, impossible. Like, that's the things that we believe. So it's not—zoom out for a second. That's crazy. Yeah. We believe something People that's crazy. crazy. Like, I, yeah, we're kind of crazy what we believe. It's real. We believe it. It's true. It's the only thing to believe in this world. But if we zoom out a little further, how much more crazy is it to believe that Satan, who never wanted— Jesus to come to earth, tried to fight this by attacking the seed of man and still has a, a war going against the seed of man to destroy mankind that he hates, to pervert it, to steal it, to distort it, and is still working today to stop that. It's not It's not weird to zoom out and look at that. It's, it's actually like, oh, like Courtney said, it actually gives you a lot more context to say like, oh, a lot more things make sense. And then zoom to Revelation, the future of what's going to happen in the end times, and talk about the Antichrist, what the Antichrist is, is going to look like, what the Antichrist is going to come from, what he's going to do, how it's going to end the world, and how Jesus is going to come back and conquer it all. And essentially, Jesus wins in the end. It gives you a perfect timeline, essentially, of what God is doing and gives you a lot of hope to know, like, I think it also arms us to say, like, when these things start to happen, and it could happen in front of us, like, we need to be aware. We need to be aware that that these things are happening. We need to be aware that 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 the it says the antichrist is going to come and people are def, are going to think it's the second coming of Christ. They're going to think it's Jesus again, but it's not. It's the antichrist and it's it's here to cause a facade and to make you worship him, not actually God and to take people basically away again, take people away from from Jesus, but then Jesus comes back and stops it all. It's just a pretty it's pretty insane. It is and also just a thought I'm having, it's like my frustration for Christians who don't think that God still does miracles and performs like the miraculous today in present time. Like this notion that God is just like, all that was for back then and it doesn't happen, nothing happens anymore. It's just always part of the plan and this and that. But if you read the end of the book, nothing about the end of the book is like not supernatural. Like, it is so supernatural. Yeah. And to not, to be on earth in today's time and not have a supernatural perspective is a mistake. Yeah. Like, I you know it sounds intense, but it's just like, that's how I feel. Like, you got to be on, like, you truly have to be on guard. Yeah. Something else that's really interesting that I, I learned also was that um, back basically in the turn of the 20th century, during the times of, like, Darwinism, when, like, evolution theories really came to be known, a lot of people were turning away from from biblical understanding and belief and turning towards evolu evolutionary, creational beliefs. And in order for the church to kind of combat that, 
they actually stopped teaching a lot of things that were very spiritual or mystic in nature and churches and seminaries that were that were um teaching pastors stopped talking about things like nephilim like healing like certain things to make to try and whether intentionally or not to try and make um scripture more practical to be able to combat this idea of like evolutionism and what ended up happening is generations of pastors were brought up and taught about the the practical things of of theology while the the spiritual side and supernatural things and myth of of um of Christianity were actually thrown out to the wayside on accident and that's why we if you if you would look um way back in the day during darwinism pastors would talk about nephilim they would talk about these kinds of topics were more well known it's actually why you would actually still go into museums and find giant bones the, at that turn of the century, the Smithsonian Museum, the massive museum, actually started to hide giant bones and convince the rest of the world to hide giant bones, to not put them on display, to not put them in, in um, museums because it actually combated evolutionary theories, which is another crazy thing. And that's evidence. Like, you can go find that. A lot of, a lot of um, museums, you can actually go and request to see giant bones. They won't put them on display, but if you ask, you can go see them. I think it's funny. I heard someone say this Uh if all science actually checks out, if you allow them one miracle. Creation. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's like the the notion that everything just came from this boom. And that is so scientific. Yeah, it's nuts. It's not. Like, it's literally a miracle. It was a voice of God, like, speaking things into life. And it's like, all science checks out. Yeah. If they're allowed one miracle. Absolutely. And I, it's just so crazy, like... I say this now because I'm sitting in a room with like-minded people because I have been in a room with I'm the only person that thinks this way and not just believes, thinks this way and felt like an idiot, like based off of what they've been educated and the things that they've seen and this and that and like have said, I've seen bones that have not that are a million years old, animal, you know, whatever it is and whatever. And I just like I feel stumped in the moment because they're so confident in their science and these stats and like all of these things. And I, th- I think that it's almost easier to believe this wild story. Like I'm thankful that the story is so crazy that there's no like equation to equal it because I'll never understand from a scientific level. I know that it's out there somewhere and maybe one day we'll crack all those codes that like perfectly support it but maybe we won't and that's okay because that's why it's called faith like that's what i have to like in those moments i'm reminding myself well it's it's okay i don't have these answers like there's also like a a mass movement called evolution that has it's a anti-christian movement that's trying to disprove christianity and has weaseled its way into um being it's evolution's a theory people forget that it's a theory but for some reason, evolution has they, – they've pushed it to the front of people's minds to make them think that this is truth. Evolution is a theory. What theory means that it's a guess. It's, an, it, it's a guess. They think. They don't know. It's still a theory. And even things like carbon dating is still a theory. Things like, like um, fossil and ro- – like, like dating fossils and dating rocks are still theories. They're not proven. And the, the earth being over 2 million years old is a theory. These things are not proven, but they've been put in our schools, they've been put in our textbooks, and they've made, it, made people think that these are truths that are, not tr- that are not true. And 
people like uh, scientists like Kent Hovind, who is I've mentioned a couple of times, he's a archaeologist, biologist, um, creationist, and he's a Christian, talks about basically how evolution theories are all wrong. They're all theories that are wrong, and they're all circular. If you go and look at carbon dating or you look at fossil and rock dating, you essentially, they, they do this, this circular reasoning. They go, uh, how, old, how do you know this fossil is a million years old? And they go, well, because the rocks are a million years old. And they go, okay, well, how, how do you know the rocks are a million years old? And they go, because the fossil's a million years old. That's circular. That's just, you just do this for days. You just go in circles for days going, okay, well, then how do you know the, f- but if you're basing the fossil off the rocks and the rocks off the fossil, but you don't know their, their origin, you actually don't know the time dating at all. It's a theory. Yeah. It's a guess. So there's a lot of these things that we've, d- in our world, people like, like to puff their chest about, like, oh, I know these things, but really, you don't know anything. And there's a lot of proof that, and, and more and more proof every single day that Scripture is real. And the things in Scripture are real. They found Sodom. They found Gomorrah. They found the sulfur balls. They found Mount Hermon. They found Mount Zion. They found the Noah's Ark. They found the Ark of the Covenant. They found, like, they f- are continually finding, they found giants. They found giant bones. Like, there's just continual evidence to prove things that are happening in Scripture. See, I think God knew that, like, my flesh would just be so skeptic, and that has allowed me to see some really, like, supernatural things that I could never deny the deity of God based off of I have seen demons cast out and participated in that. I have seen people healed, miraculously healed. Like... And not just, like, on a stage watching it, like, some big thing. Because I've seen all that, too. Been there, done that, got the T-shirt. <laughs> but I'm talking about, like, been in Africa, been in these countries where the people there don't know about any of that. They know that there is a demonic world, and they want freedom from it. And you give them, finally, the solution, which is Jesus, that every knee has about to, and you f- see their freedom. Like, God let... I God, I know, like, let me see that because he knew that I would have skeptic, I think. Like, maybe not. But I just, I think it's so cool that I have the privilege of seeing those things. And so I know without a doubt, like, there is no scientific thing that would ever be able to sway me, truly. But if someone is on the fence and they haven't had the opportunity to see that, like, I'm telling you, it is so real. It's so, so, so real. Absolutely. And I think that this stuff, the the reason I've got really interested in this is I think it just proves it. I think you can just see through, uh, you go to scripture, you see what's in scripture, and then there's real evidence in the world. If you, if spiritual and experiential evidence is not enough for you, because we all have had spiritual and experiential evidence. We've seen God move. We've encountered his presence. We've seen miracles. We've seen demons cast out. We've seen people healed. Like we've all seen that. We have those experiential things that are, that prove our faith, help prove our faith to us. But for some people, there's very, people need very logical and very practical things. And there's evidence all over the world. For my last thought, I'd say one of the things that's very interesting about the Nephilim is that um, the Nephilim are actually the reason there is demonic um, oppression and demonic spirits on the earth today. When the Nephilim passed away, their spirits being half human and half angel had nowhere to go and essentially stayed on the earth to torment on the earth. It's why um, in scripture, when Jesus approaches a bunch of demons, I forget which scripture it is. I forget what scripture it is. Maybe Matt, can you pull it up? It's Jesus approaches these demons and they say, who are you, who are you to come to us before our time is up. 
basically, knowing that they know that their time is up, their time on earth is limited, that Jesus is essentially he wins in the end, um, and all of this is over. But that to me, that kind of caps the Nephilim off and kind of gives you a full roundabout picture of like Nephilim before the flood, Nephilim after the flood, um, their impact on the spiritual world being demonic and potentially having impact on the physical world today still being around and just to keep our eyes open for those things. Um, but then the end of it obviously is always flip to the back of the book, flip to the back of the book. I think we should make a t-shirt that says flip to the back of the book because everything we ever talk about is and we get as humans we get so scared and we're like nephilim oh my god like what is it running the world the united nations is on top of mount heron does that mean that they're now they're nephilim and we're all gonna flip to the back of the book the back of the book the back of the bible tells us that jesus comes back that he takes us all that who believe that we're safe, we live in a perfect world with him for eternity. He wins, Satan gets locked in hell forever, his time on earth is numbered, it's almost up, flip to the back of the book. That's my encouragement for this episode, is like, as crazy as all this is, and as much as this shows that we as humans literally know nothing, we don't have any idea. We, I think it, we, we, we equate a lot to like human sin, but I also think that we forget a lot about like, demonic sin that entered the world first and how that's affected uh, our relationship with, hum- with with God and how that's affected the plight of humanity as well. And I think uh, Nephilim kind of showed to that and, and kind of proved that. But I think it's just, yeah, all of this is crazy and it, some of it is still going on right now, but we have power. We're covered in the blood of Jesus. They cannot touch us. They will actually scream and run from us. We have power and authority. We've I think already you should. Won. I think I feel like this might be the Holy Spirit. Actually, I'm not just saying this this time. Um, I feel like you should expand on what it means to like be covered in the blood and to plead the blood and all of that because I'm learning as I think it's more of uh, we just grew up in it, so we're used to hearing those terms. Yeah. But I think there's a lot of people our age that have not grown up. Maybe they've grown up in church, but not truly understanding the authority that they carry. Like. Can you go into a little bit of depth? Because I think it would benefit some people of what it means to actually be like covered in the blood. Yeah, so essentially when Jesus dies on the cross, when you're a Christian, you believe that Jesus took all your sin, pain, iniquity, and died on the cross. His blood was shed, and his blood was shed to cover us, basically to make us reborn as heirs to the kingdom of heaven, which means that we get, because of the blood of Jesus, we get to be reborn as... um, essentially what we were originally created to be, which was heirs to the kingdom of heaven, children of God, protected and with authority. So being covered in the blood of Jesus means that God now views you again with authority, with righteousness, and with power. And it means that it allows for the Holy Spirit to come and dwell inside of you, which also gives you authority and power as a son or a daughter of the king. It's this is the easiest way for me to describe it and easiest way to think about it. If you were in any ancient time that had a king, any medieval time that had a king, the king had all power. What the king said went, and what the king did was all authority. If they had a son or they had a daughter, those sons and daughters had the exact same authority. They didn't have to ask to do anything. They had the authority because of who their father was. The blood of Jesus helps us to be reborn 
and allows us to operate in the authority of who our Father is and be protected. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think a practical way that we see that in Scripture, and and this is I every morning plead like I, when I pray in the car with me on the way to school, I say like I plead the blood of Jesus over us. For me, like I'm literally picturing the the Israelites in Egypt painting the blood of the lamb over their doors so yeah. that the angel of death would pass by them. And that's like what I, I plead the blood of Jesus over this room or over this day or whatever it is over myself, over my family. I'm, I literally like see in the spirit, the blood like painted over me or painted over the door or over my child. And it's like the angel of death must pass over. And there's yeah. such a piece about just that, vi- like being able to visualize that the blood of Jesus truly is that, that safety and that refuge that you can abide in. And I just, I think that everyone should know. Absolutely. Agreed. Maddie B, a little quiet on the mic this, this morning. Yeah, bro. Do you have anything else to add about Nephilim? I feel like you've done a lot of research, you know. I honestly haven't done that much. I think my, my, uh, like where I go with it is just kind of modern day stuff. Yeah. And I think like even what you said about the Mount Heron thing, I think, I think it's it's crazy to see Nephilim even in the past um, kind of creating these societies. Yeah. And I think that's where, like, I don't know, I think it's a lot easier to be told what to think than to ask why you think what you think. Mm-hmm. And so it just fires me up because it's like I don't want to be put in this box of, like, a conspiracy theorist. I, I, no, no one really does because I it's do. just always labeled, <laughs> I as, <know>. <laughs> always labeled as crazy. Yeah. You don't, you don't yeah. think. And it's like... I don't want to ever be put in that box. And so I ask why. I ask why do you believe what you believe? And I think the Lord wants to show us things. I think he wants to take us deeper in, in, in his relationship with us and like allowing us to see even through his word, through different, uh, through him even showing us like practically, hey, this is where I'm at. This is where you can find me. Yeah. And I think like that's so cool how um, we can go, okay, God, I know that there's, I know that you're in this world, but also like help me to see where the evil is. Yeah. Cause I think that's so important. It's like, we have to know what's evil and what's good because when deception comes along, um, that's, that's the enemy's number one goal is to deceive us into believing something that isn't true. Absolutely. And so it's like, okay, God, where, where is that? Because I, I don't want to be deceived when the enemy comes and tries to knock yeah. me off the path. I totally. want to know where you're at. Absolutely. So I just think it's cool looking at life through a biblical lens um, has I think made my relationship with Jesus more fun. Yeah, I think it's like brought it to life of going, Realistic, okay, God, you're yeah. not like just some foreign deity that I only get to talk to at night when I'm, you know, uh, praying before I go to bed. It's like, yeah. no, God, where are you in the actual day to day of my life? Absolutely. And so it's been cool to ask him those questions. And so that's kind of like the extent of my Nephilim stuff is like, yeah. where is it in modern day? I didn't know any of that stuff like past. Yeah. So it's cool. No, it's yeah, it's insane. And I this is the same the same exact reason that I love this stuff is what you just said, like. I love to be able to like equip believers to say like open your eyes a little bit. Yeah. And zoom out a little bit. When I was thinking about this and I was when I was driving listening to these podcasts and I was thinking about this on the way here, I was like you understand that like if this is this is true and the spiritual realm is so much more active than we ever think about on a daily basis. You understand that so much of the things that we worry about in our lives is so 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 small and in, in, insignificant yeah like it's so in, in, in why can't i talk today what's going on it's we just need like food i'm dying insignificant and the it like fired me up yeah. because it, it almost reminded me like of pre-flood noah telling everybody it's your last chance to get on the boat yeah and there's another flood coming and 
not real, not really. Say figuratively. Yeah, figuratively coming, and God's asking us to tell people to get on the boat, and the boat is to be saved, to recognize Jesus as your Lord and Savior, um, to allow the Holy Spirit to dwell inside of your life and in your heart, and that's that's the boat. And it kind of fired me up to like today to be like, the message is Jesus. The message is redemption. The message is get on the boat. And we have to tell everyone we know to get on the boat because it's it's coming. And um, I think people struggle with how to do that, though. And I think people who have friends, maybe if you are a new believer and you have friends that aren't saved, but they're maybe dabbling with some like new agey stuff like tarot cards or whatever this is a really good segue for those people. Mm -hmm. Like this is a really good way to be like that thing that you're interested in. This is where that checks out in scripture. Yeah. And it's a really good way. Like they're craving a supernatural element. If they're dabbling with all that stuff, they've already opened themselves up to being spiritual. So you you can get, you can dive into a deeper conversation with them. There's some people that like, they're not open to any of that at all. So your conversation with them has to be a little bit more like, you know, let's, let's walk you into this slowly. But there's some people right now that are like, they go to their, their witch doctor you know so it's like okay let's you're in this let's get in this story to tell you all off off air about this deliverance thing i went to tell us on what's going on in the world okay okay i think that's everything for the nephews right you guys think so too i think we're good how long are we at matt like an hour or something yeah that's that's probably good i mean the first half hour first half hour is choppy for sure uh yeah i just think last encouragement it's just flips the back of the book I think that's I think that's, that's gonna good. be my I new thing. I think that should be your new merch. I think that the next merch release. I think that should be my new thing. Is like flip to the back of the book. I think that's gonna be my my thing in what's going on in the world from now on too. Is like this is all of the stuff that's happening and like the Nephilim have a literally a where like an HQ on the top of Mount Heron right now, whatever. But like flip to the back of the book. Yeah, that's gonna be my, my last thought for you guys. Love you guys. Uh, be sure to subscribe. Share this with a friend. If you want a Nephilim episode part two, we can do a bunch. We have a lot more to share. We just couldn't like really tap into everything. If you want another episode, uh, let us know in the comments or DM us. I want some um, questions. I want some cute, like some cues yeah. to, for us to jump around on. So yeah. leave us your questions. Absolutely. Great idea. Leave us questions and we'll jump on those ASAP. Also, I, I feel like I need to say that this is, that this is not like conspiracy. Like I feel like we, we may have tapped on that a little bit, but I feel like as we end this, I just have to like encourage people that are like want to talk about this and are going to get like kind of scared that I don't, you don't want to sound like a crazy person. Even me, I'm like, this might like put me in another category that I don't really even want to be in really is like to step into the, but like if it's in the Bible, it's true. It needs to be talked about the days of picking and choosing what we're going to talk about in scripture are done. It's over. You want to pick and choose the best three things that are going to fix your life, go listen to a different podcast. But the days of like picking and choosing what we're going to talk about in Scripture and what we're not, it's done. It's over. Be confident in in Scripture. Be confident in what is in the Bible. Be confident in believing everything. We don't pick and choose. Like, ah, the Nephilim thing kind of scares me, so I'm going to stay away from it. It's in Scripture. We believe it. I just feel like I had to say that. We'll see you later. Love you guys. Bye. Uh Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. 
At the Story Behind Podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. And even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hardworking pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the Story Behind Podcast, visit lifeaudio.com 